Welcome to Ladies Who Love Christ, where we love to encourage you to build intimacy with Christ. We'll bring you insights and teachings to help you grow in your walk with Jesus, ultimately becoming the strong, godly woman you were created to be. Here's Ashley Pope Todorova. Hello, ladies, and welcome to Ladies Who Love Christ, Philippians Bible Study Chapter 4, Session 4. I'm so grateful that you're here. If you've missed any of these past sessions, go back and watch us on YouTube or our podcast. Tonight, we are turning to Philippians chapter four, and we're going to start out right away in verse one. Very important here. I want to give you an overview of verses one through three and and Paul's last um, um, exhort, I should say, to the Philippians, okay? So we talked about a lot in this last three weeks. We talked about developing um, strong Christian um, uh, virtues and morals and, and the fruits of the spirit and what that looks like in our lives. Um, we looked at all of Paul's urging the Philippians to stand fast, which we're going to kick it off with tonight, um, to stand fast, to stay focused, to keep your eye on the prize. He was telling them, don't get caught up in um, vanity, um, I'm, I'm not saying vanity as in uh, looks, I'm saying vanity as in superficial things that do not produce any fruit in your lives. So he was urging them, and in the Philippians, you guys have to understand that not only was it not the norm for them to stand by Paul as he was in prison, okay, culturally, this was not a normal thing. They were standing by him, they were encouraging him spiritually and financially, but Paul likewise was encouraging them and how they are to live their lives. And he was looking at this as serious, serious business. I'm going to say it very simple for you guys. This was serious business to Paul because Paul was looking at the Philippians and he was saying, my crown, my prize, essentially what I'm going to receive at the, uh, at the feet of Jesus, when I show up and I show an account for what I did with my life, you Philippians are a big part of that. Run this race well, stay focused, don't get uh, sidetracked with superficial things. And ladies, you know, I love to, I, I always tell you, I'm going to be like a broken record here because it is so vital. And I don't know who's jumping on and off and who's watching and who's not, who's been a part of this study and who hasn't. But I want you to understand it's absolutely vital that when we study God's word, we study in time, culture, context. We never want to slapstick, uh, slapstick scripture to our scenario and our situation, but we actually want to study what were the authors telling their audiences and what was that time like? But then you'll hear me say park it. That's where we park on the side of the road, a little bit of um, visual imagery there for you. And we bring it to 2023. Ladies, everything that Paul was urging the Philippians is as pertinent to us today as it was to hit, uh, uh, then to them when he was speaking to them with this urgency. So verses one through three, those, those first three passages, Paul is encouraging the Philippians to stand unified in the Lord for the sake of the gospel. Write that down, unity. Paul was urging them to stand unified and not to allow, not to allow disunity and uh, dis, um, uh, poor relationships, for lack of a better word, right now, this brain is moving fast, poor relationships, disunity, discord 
to, to create division within the body of Christ. And he was saying it's so important. You know, there's passages, gals, that as we read God's word and we navigate it, there are passages that are sometimes so simple, you just read over them and you just don't even think a, a, a lick about them. You don't think a thing about it. This is one of them. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown. He's essentially saying this is, that's why I said he is talking to the Philippians with that type of um, uh, seriousness. You are my joy, my crown, everything that I pour into you and instill and the lives that are one on account of the gospel, this is serious business, right? And he said, my joy and my crown stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved, stand unified. Don't allow division and discord to disrupt, um, to disrupt what God is doing, right? And as we talk about how Paul was quite literally telling this to the Philippians, that applies to us right here, right now. There certainly are not a shortage of things in 2023 that will create um, more division, more discord, more um, resentment and anger and frustration and emotions and things that are not of, of God, that are not of the fruits of the spirit. There's certainly not a shortage of things that can divide the body of Christ as there, uh, as there are right now. There's, there's certainly plenty of things. And so we have to heed this advice too, as we study what Paul was telling the Philippians, when he says, therefore, and he uses that word, therefore, the meaning is in view of the fact that there were many Christians, and you saw this in the previous three weeks, there were many Christians to whom uh, Paul was talking to that were self-professed Christians, but they weren't living like they were believers in Christ, right? We, we know what that's like. It's easy to say, I believe, okay, I accept, I go through the motions. That's the easy thing. But are we really going to live like it? Are we really going to display those virtues? Are we really going to, to live, live and seep out of our pores like we are citizens of heaven. Are we going to do that or are we not, right? So Paul, he was addressing them with a lot of severity here in, in that sense. And he was talking about those Christians who were professed Christians with their mouths but were not sincere. The citizenship of all true Christians was in heaven. And that is the point that Paul was trying so hard to convey to them your citizenship's not here on earth everything that we toil bringing it to 2023 everything that we work and toil over if you decipher it if you break it down if you peel it apart you're going to see that these are things that are meaningless right meaningless like like solomon said meaningless it's all meaningless we have to live like we're citizens of heaven and paul was saying to them you've got to live like your citizenship is in heaven and that they look for the coming of the Lord Jesus who would make them like himself. Paul was encouraging them to stand fast. Stand fast is another way of saying stand firm. Don't waver, right? Know what you believe. Know why you believe it. Know in whom you believe. Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords. Be ready to give an account for the hope that you have. Scripture tells us that. And so, so Paul was really encouraging them, stand fast, don't waver. But there's something that I want you gals to understand about these passages is that all of the things Paul was calling the Philippians to, 
this level of, of living, this standard, this standard of living, these Christian virtues, these Christian morals, our moral compass, very important, our moral compass, our integrity, all of these things that he was calling them to. Ladies, please don't miss it. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. You cannot display these things. These things cannot display themselves in your life. Talking to you, talking to you. In your life, unless you are staying steeped in God's word. Steeped in God's word. Steeped in prayer. Surrounded by a body of believers. Spending time with Jesus, spending time in his presence, saying that, you know what, in a world that offers me a plethora, thousands upon thousands of ways to get distracted, I choose to keep my eyes on Christ and not get distracted because these things do not come from a life and a heart that is unchanged and untouched by Jesus. Write it down. These things do not come from a heart and from a life that is not truly I should say, let me interject that word, truly touched by Jesus. You can't give what you don't have. And Paul was saying that to the Philippians. <clears throat> Remember whose you are. Remember that your citizen is not citizenship is not here. It's in heaven. Be ready to give an account. Be an example to everybody, right? All of these things require our utter dependence on Jesus. That's why, that's my why. That is why I do what I do. That's why our leaders do what, what they do. That's why we're here. That's why we're in existence because there's nothing more important. You can do all the things. You can climb all the ladders, corporate ladders, financial ladders. You can have all the accolades. You can have it all. You can have every credential known to man. None of that matters in the end. So this is what we have to get. And that same fervency, that's what Paul was telling the Philippians. So then moving down, he talks about my joy in that one, first verse. We're still in the first verse. I promise we'll be done on time tonight. He talks about my joy and my crown. And the Philippian spiritual success was Paul's crowning achievement, quite literally. So he wasn't just looking at this like, hey, I'm just here to tell you a, um, a thing or two and teach you. This was like, this was, he knew this to be true. And he knew that the Philippians and their spiritual success would be his crowning achievement. Ladies, let's turn to 1 Thessalonians. We're going to turn and flip in the word of God to our first passage. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 19 and 20. Give me one second. 1 Thessalonians 2, 19 and 20. And it says, for what is our hope or, or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? This is a question. For what is our joy or hope or boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and our joy. So right there, presenting his converts to Jesus at his second coming is an integral part of, Christ, of uh, Paul's Christian hope. It was an integral, integral part to his ministry. The term crowns, the analogy is given those crowns, they were given to winning athletes. It shows the aim and the focus of Paul that, that this was no 
uh, joke to him, right? Crowns were given to winning athletes. You'll never meet an athlete, okay, coming from a health and wellness industry, bringing it right here to 2023. You'll never meet an athlete that is a serious athlete that takes their sport seriously, truly seriously. Think Olympics, think big sports, right? You're never going to meet an athlete that does not allow the, the passion for their sport to seep into every area of their lives. They've got their training. They've got their regimen. They've got their sports uh, uh, training. They've got their physical training. They've got their stretching. They've got their nutrition. They've got their supplementation. Oftentimes they're working with three or four coaches in the same field in different specialties, right? It is that serious. So, so when you think crown and you think the winning crown, Paul is thinking, Along, along those lines, that same seriousness that, that you are it for me. I want to stand before Jesus. I want to stand before the King of Kings. And I want to be able to say that I did everything with what he gave me. And that was what the Philippians meant and were to Paul. To him, it was winning souls for Jesus Christ. Truly sharing the gospel, the good news. Okay? And then... Let's go back to uh, Philippians chapter four. That's where we're really going to hone in a lot tonight. Um, most of the evening, in fact. So then we're going to go down to verse two. Verse two, I entreat, uh, and forgive me if I don't say this correctly. Some of these names are, are um, difficult to say. I entreat Euodia and I entreat Sintish to agree and the Lord. Now these were, um, people think that these were two women, right? You, Euodia and Santish. We'll just say it like that. All that can be known is there was some sort of disagreement between these two people, okay? There was some sort of disagreement, and Paul was getting right to the heart of that disagreement. He was saying, I entreat you, I urge you, I encourage you to, to agree in the Lord. He was urging them essentially ladies to reconcile and to be of the same mind to reconcile themselves to set aside whatever disagreements they had and to be of the same mind not just to be of the same mind but to be of the same mind for the sake of what the gospel the good news Paul urges them to apply the principle that was mentioned in Philippians chapter 2, verse 2. Let's turn there. Philippians chapter 2, verse 2. If you missed the second week, we'll get to go over this together. And it says, complete my joy, complete my joy by being of the same mind. Listen to that. The same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Now, if you missed that session, that is not talking about be universal in your thought process. Agree with every single thing that comes in front of you. Paul was not saying that. He was saying you are professing to be believers in Jesus Christ. You are professing the good news, the highest highest thing any one of us could do with our lives is, is share the gospel and make Jesus known right? And he's saying, you've got to be reconciled. You've got to agree together. We've got to set aside discord and division. So he was really coming at these ladies and saying, 
I want you to be of the same mind for the account of the gospel. And let's bring it right here, fresh 2023. If you don't think that people are watching, if you don't think that people are watching what you say, never has there been a time where it's easier to put out scriptures on social media, to put out uh, God is love on social media, scriptures, all of these things that everybody likes to put out. And that's great. That's great. But are your actions is how you treat people. Do those things line up with what people are seeing? Because you see, ladies, there's some dangerous territory when we speak out of our mouth, but we don't live by those actions. That's what Paul was saying to these, these ladies. Set it aside, reconcile, agree, figure it out, talk about it, right? To agree and being of the same mind in the Greek, by the way, to agree and being of the same mind in the Greek are the very same meaning, okay? So he's saying, you need to figure it out. And not just for yourselves, but to advance the gospel and thinking outside of the box just a little because it doesn't take much to do it because people are watching. They're not, they're not watching to see what you say. They're not, they're not listening uh, to see what comes out of your mouth. They're watching to see what you do, right? And it's vital stuff. I think sometimes it's very easy to forget that. It's very easy to forget that when something happens and you want to, you know, 2023 lingo here, you want to pop off and all of a sudden you realize I'm not being a witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not being an example. So he was really urging them. Now, let's go to Philippians chapter four, verse three. We're out of two now. Back to four. Philippians four, verse three. After he tells them to agree, to be of the same mind, he says, yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. So he's addressing somebody here, true companion. People debate whether that's an actual name or if it was somebody that he knew. We don't need to go that deep. Paul was talking to somebody else, and here's what we can garner and glean from that. He brought in help. He brought in help. There's a message here. This verse speaks of reconciliation. I want you to write down a few points, Scouts. Very important. I am speaking to you from a Bible study perspective as a lady who loves Christ, but I can promise you these points work in your marriage. They work with your children. They work in your home because anything that's scripturally based, anything that God tells us, right, to live by in our word is good for everything. It's good for all of our relationships. It's nourishment and hydration for everything. So I want you to write verse three speaks of reconciliation. Reconciliation, first point often requires a third-party intervention. It often requires a third-party intervention. So Paul was saying to them, I urge you guys on account of the gospel to be reconciled, to be of the same mind, to agree. And then he goes to somebody and, and brings in help, right? So it, it's okay bringing it to 2023. It's okay. Reconciliation does often involve help 
That's why it's so important for us to do life together in the body of Christ. That's why it's so important. I am, I, I'm going to park it here, not in my notes. Bear with me. I'll have you done on time. I am so tired of hearing people rattle off why they don't go to church and why they don't plug in. And I'm sorry if that sounds harsh. I know that everybody goes through things, but scripturally speaking, because this is what, this is what I live by. This is what I, I teach by. This is what I hold myself accountable to. God designed the church for us to do life with a body of believers to get encouraged, to get equipped, encouraged, equipped to go out into this world and to reach the lost. It is not a hub of entertainment and concerts and who's got the best childcare, who has the best band, who dresses the best. It is not what we've made it today. The church is vital. And, and, and if you have been in a place where you've been hurt, I urge you and I encourage you to, to seek help, to ask for help, to ask friends that you know maybe are in a place that they really enjoy and love. Make sure it's doctrinally and scripturally sound. Don't just go because your neighbor goes. Know their statement of faith. Know what they believe. And then go and plug in because it's absolutely vital. So reconciliation, when there is discord and division, Paul knew that. He was saying in verse 3, quite, quite simply, I ask you to help these women. Help them reconcile. Help is okay. Write it down. Help is okay. When reconciliation is needed, help is okay. Paul wanted to see them reconciled because they labored with him. Because of the gospel. He knew, essentially, the importance of this, this, this disagreement being cleared up. He knew how vital it was to continue the most important work of all, which is the spread of the gospel. A key lesson I want you to write down. As we look at all of the chapters from chapter one to four, but specifically tonight, Paul did not write it down. Paul did not isolate himself in ministry. Paul did not isolate himself. He didn't say, hey, this is me. I, I'm a here. I'm just going to teach people and stay to myself because, you know, people can be annoying and, and I don't want to deal with discord. And no, he went into the trenches and he was surrounded by people, people to help him in ministry, spiritually help, uh, financially help, right? Paul was not isolated as he ministered. He surrounded himself. He was strategic to surround himself with other believers to advance the gospel. He was strategic to surround himself with other believers to advance the gospel. This is for somebody tonight. Write it down. Isolation is a definite tool that the enemy can use in our lives if we allow it to take hold. Paul was saying the most important thing to, 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 to him at the time he was telling the Philippians, the most important thing, you are my joy and my crown before Jesus, is, is to see you spiritually strong, standing fast and running your race well. But also, as you look at the discord that, that came up, he urged them to be of one mind, and then he brought in somebody else who was good at doing what that person did. Scripture talks about it very clearly. We're all a part of the body of Christ. We all have different gifts and things that the Lord has given us, right? Isolation is a tool the enemy can use. If you're trying to run this race isolated, 
2023, parking it and bringing it here. We study in time, culture, context here at Ladies Who Love Christ. But my message for you is if you're trying to run this race isolated, if you're surrounding yourself with people that are in the world and of the world, you're just functioning in that same cesspool of sin, but then you're trying to live godly over here, isolated by yourself, not plugging in. I mean, it doesn't take much to understand that that's not going to work. We were designed, write it down. I'm asking you to write because repetition and what you write gets remembered, okay? Believe it or not, even if you do not like writing things, when you write things, when you listen and then you write, you retain. Okay, I'm about what you retain here. We were designed to work alongside other believers, not against. We were designed to work alongside other believers, not against. So from those two verses, discord, division, Paul says, be of one mind. That doesn't mean think the same way, do the same things, eat the same things. He's saying, you are on a mission to share the gospel. You are divided right now. You must reconcile. Be of the same mind. He was saying reconciliation. And then there was a third party that came in to help. It's amazing what happens when you just slow down a little bit to digest God's word. Verse by verse by verse, word by word, chew on it. Think about it. Simmer over it. Right? Now we're going to go to verses 4 through 9. Chapter 4 of Philippians, verses 4 through 9. So Paul was calling the Philippians to attitudes here, certain attitudes, there's fruits, attitudes of joy and reason so that they could replace anxiety with expectant, grateful prayer. Okay. And we're going to read these together verse by verse. He was calling them to, to live a different way, to live a different life. He was saying, you don't have to be anxious. Be anxious for nothing. You can have joy amidst any situation, which he says. He was quite literally living that. You can have joy. You can have reason with expectant, grateful prayer. He also calls upon them in these four passages or five passages to think upon, write it down, to think upon and to practice in parentheses, I wrote action, action, to think upon, don't just think about it, but practice, put into action Christian virtues. Now, I'm going to tell you something right now. Anxiety is a very real problem. 2023, parking it. Anxiety plagues probably eight out of 10 people. My husband and I are in this world. We're in the health world. People have anxieties. They are stressed out of their minds. They are, 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 and I'm not, please do not misunderstand. I'm not sitting here pointing fingers, but I am telling you facts. People are probably more anxious than they've ever been. More anxious, more medicated, looking for answers to this anxiety. Ladies, listen, listen. The only answer, I'm gonna save you a lot of heartache tonight. The only answer to the anxieties and to the things that we struggle with in this world is Jesus Christ, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You will never find peace apart from Christ. 
You'll never find a calm mind and heart apart from Christ. You won't. You may find temporary fleeting moments of pleasure that are here one second and gone the next. But true, lasting, deep peace that surpasses understanding, a calm mind, a calm heart, a calm spirit. You will not find these things apart from Christ. Why is it so high and so prevalent now? So often we are looking for things to be met in our lives that only Jesus can meet. So very often. And Alex, my husband, teaches it all the time. When anxiety rears its ugly head, it's a sign of imbalance somewhere. We just have to figure out where. Right? So then in verse 4, he's saying, he quite literally tells them, you can display attitudes of joy and reason. Let's go to verse 4. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, again, when I say repetition in scripture, again, he says, I say rejoice. Basically, let me say it here, 2023. You girls will get this. Let me say it for those in the back. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'm going to say it again. Rejoice. This is not a momentary fleeting happiness, ladies. True rejoicing is not a momentary fleeting, I got the new purse I wanted, I'm excited. I got the new shoes I wanted or, or the silly little things that we, we draw excitement from. This type of, of, of joy that Paul and rejoicing that Paul was calling them to, it was a deep contentment. Write it down, write deep contentment. It was a deep contentment and abiding in the Lord. It was nothing that things or people or stuff could ever do for them. He was saying, rejoice in the Lord always. When things are hard and difficult and you're in those trenches, please do not misunderstand. I know there are trenches. I know there are moments that take your breath away that are so hard to get through. I know. But Paul is saying, despite those things rejoice in the Lord because he meets you on that mountaintop gals and he meets you in the trenches. He really, really does. It was a deep contentment and abiding in. It was, I don't, I don't care what I have as long as I have Jesus. I don't care what I have. If I have plenty or I have little, if I have ample or if I'm, 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 I'm struggling, it doesn't matter because really I'm a citizen of heaven. I have everything with Christ and Christ alone, contentment and abiding in, right? Abiding in. Go back, look up our John Bible study. Do John chapter 15. I could try to find it. Um, I've done several teachings on John and abiding in. Abiding in the Lord based based on trust in the sovereign God, based on trust in the sovereign God. This type of rejoicing is not a fleeting uh, emotion. It's always available to us. You know, it's amazing to me. This is amazing. That at any given moment, I could be in a, a, a place of just like, not living like I know God wants me to live, not acting like I know God wants me to act, um, 
just a moment of, of just not being right with the Lord. And I can go in that moment and I can sit in his presence and I can repent and I can turn and I can spend time literally at his feet. He's available to us, that rejoicing in him, that contentment in him. When we're tempted to look to the world, gals, Paul's life was a picture. It was an absolute picture of rejoicing in the most difficult moments in the most difficult moments. Then you breeze right along to verse five and it says, let your reasonableness, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. That verse ends there. Reasonableness in this passage, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. This word in that passage is absolutely Critical, critical, listen, if you're distracted, critical to community. It's putting others and valuing others above yourself. Paul was saying, this is a huge attribute. This is a huge virtue. You are to, to think of others before you think of yourself. You're to think of their well-being before you think of yourself. Boy, I'll tell you what, in a world that is me, 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 me. The Lord did not give me a voice, gals. Me, 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 me. More, 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 more. Me, 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 me. He's saying, no, it's about other people. It's about other lives. Display those, those virtues. It is a critical, it's a disposition that seeks what is best for everyone. Reasonableness. It's a disposition that seeks what is best for everyone. That's countercultural in 2023. This type of this type of living, this type of selflessness, this type of, of humble living is literally countercultural in this world. Why do I tell you that? Why am I telling you that? I'm telling you that because if you're not steeped in God's word, surrounded by believers, plugging in, growing, equipping yourselves in God's word. You'll be eaten up, chewed up, and spit out in this world. A world that says you don't have enough. You don't live in a fancy enough house. You don't drive a fancy enough car. You don't have enough credentials. You don't make enough money. This, 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 this. I, I look at the wheels of, of kids that haven't even hit 20, and all they are is traveling all over the globe. And then all of a sudden, you're sitting here discontent, wondering why you're not traveling all over the globe. Do you understand do you understand how vital it is? If not, you're going to by the end of this session. That you sit in the presence of the king. That you immerse in his presence and spend time with him. That you display the virtues of re rejoicing in him despite what may be good or bad or Luke warm in between, a little bit of good, a little bit of bad, that you rejoice every day in him. And then reasonableness, that you do everything possible, everything to seek what is best for others. And then he ends that verse with the Lord is at hand. That means Jesus is going to return as judge and he is going to hold people accountable. There's going to be accountability. This is why when Paul was speaking to the Philippians, he was so, so fervent to get them to understand, you're my crown and my joy. I'm going to answer 
for your spiritual strength. Now, let's go down to verse 6 and 7. Verse 6 and 7 of Philippians chapter 4. It's an echo of Jesus' teaching, okay, on the Sermon of the Mount. We talked about that last week. In Matthew chapter 6, you can write it down. Go back and read it, the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 6, 25 through 34. Number one, let's read these passages together and go through a few points. It says, verse six, it's so important. Please listen. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer, by two things, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. That's verse seven. I'm sorry, verse six. Let your requests be made known, be made known to God. And then verse seven. And if you do those things, right? And the peace, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and guard your minds, guard your heart and guard your mind in Christ Jesus. Two very, very precious things. The peace of God, which surpasses understanding. What that means is I don't understand it. Everything's falling apart. I don't understand it. And I've been there, ladies. I've been there. I know this to be true. Everything's falling apart. Nothing makes sense. It's crazy, right? But but there's this peace that literally guards your heart. And it is a peace that can only come. It can only come from our most high God. It can only come from, from God himself. So these two verses are vital, like literally vital. Do not be anxious about anything. Number one, write it down. Writing, repetition means retaining, okay? Number one, we are not to be anxious, but we are to entrust ourselves into the hands of a loving heavenly father whose peace will guard us. We're to entrust everything to him. We're to, he, Paul was telling the Philippians, don't be anxious about anything. This is pertinent to us as it was to him telling them. Do not be anxious, but entrust yourselves into the hands of a heavenly father that loves you, that cares for you. But you know, it's real easy to think that. And then all of a sudden you're getting distracted and you take your eyes off of God. You take your eyes off of him. And the second you take your eyes off of him is the second that you feel the welling up of the anxiety and the things that the enemy wants. <laughs> he wants to bring you down with, trust me. Two, but in everything. Didn't say, but in something. It said in everything through prayer. Circle that or highlight that in your Bible through prayer and supplication. And we're going to talk about that in the next point. Make your request known to God. What does that mean? But in everything, every single area of our lives is concerning to God. Write it down. Every area. There's not an area in your life that you can say God doesn't care about. He cares about every area. And that's what Paul was saying to the Philippians. You don't need to be anxious. He, he cares for you. If the birds and the air and the animals, they don't worry about what they eat. How much more precious are you to him? Every area of our lives is of concern to God. And we can daily approach his throne. We can daily approach his throne. 
That means at any given moment, we can go directly to the King of Kings, to, to the Messiah, to the anointed one. We can go directly to the throne. We can walk out of that room and go into another room and get on our knees and pray or shut our eyes. Take, take a few moments and just say, Lord, be with me in this situation. Give me peace. Give me wisdom. Give me strength. Give me the ability to handle the situation that you would handle it. Number three, a, a missed part in our lives. And Paul was telling the Philippians, it's so important. Don't miss it by prayer and by supplication. By prayer and by supplication. I want you to write in your journals or your notepad, prayer versus supplication. What are the differences? A lot of times people read them as they're one. They're two different things. Number one, Prayer is a broader word that reflects all of our communication and refers to all of our communication with God, okay? Supplications directly asking God to do something. He already knows what we need, gals, before we need it. He knows what we need before we need it. But it's us. He knows what we need before we ask. But it's us he's calling to, to discipline. Come to me. Come to me. Don't run from prayer. Don't run from asking. Come to me. I know what you need before you need it. I know what you need before you even ask. I know. I've known. Come to me. It's our participation through prayer and supplication that he desires. It was so urgent when, when Paul was talking to them. It is our participation through prayer and supplication that God desires. He knows there's not a thing in this world. There's not a, 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 the, the tiniest little thing that he does not know, but it's our participation in it. Listen to me now. It's our discipline. It's our willingness to not make light of the fact that in any moment we can go before the throne. And then another important thing there is not Lord, I want that all-inclusive trip to, to Bora Bora. No, 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 no. Ladies, I had to learn this in my life. Please listen. Some of y'all may not like this, and that's okay, because that's the stuff where you really grow. I had to learn this in my life. That prayer is such a holy thing. To be able to come into the presence of the king and to ask for the desires of our heart. One of the biggest things that I learned and I had to learn is, Lord, make me who you want me to be. Makes me tear up. It, it does. It chokes me up to this day. Make me who you want me to be. Let your will be done in my life. It's a bold prayer to pray, girls. Let let your way be done and not mine. I'm not coming to you for superficial things that pass away. I'm coming to you and saying, make me who you created me to be. Make me that person that has the Christian virtues that when I'm standing in the midst of hatred or anger or people that reject you, that I can shine, that I can show the love of Christ, that I can step up, that I can show those virtues, that I can say, I've been there and I know my God is real. Let me tell you about Jesus. You need that salve. We all need that salve. Let me tell you about the only salve that will ever heal you, that will ever make you whole, that will ever give you eternal life. 
It is this, 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 this heart posture. It is a bold prayer when you pray for God's will and not your way. 2023, right here, right now. I've said it before and I'll say it again. There are countless times in my life, things that I lived through that in the moment were so dire and so hard and so gut-wrenching. And I'm not saying that to be theatrical. Gut-wrenchingly hard things, facing down people who wounded me deeply and having to say, I love you and I forgive you because I am not commanded to do what I want. I'm commanded to literally live to please Christ. Everything in my life, everything, every single thing that was so terrible and so hard to get through are the very things that I look back now and I am not kidding you. I would not change one because Jesus was in them. And through those things, he made me who he wanted me to be. Let that be the prayer that we be women so fervent and so on fire for him that we set aside the things that are meaningless and we run after, literally run after him with everything in us. Pray with thanksgiving. Pray with thanksgiving. A spirit of gratefulness. A spirit of gratefulness. Thanksgiving. Gratefulness for what God is doing. Gratefulness for what God has done. Gratefulness for what he will do. Ladies, some of you need to hear this tonight. And it is basic. And it is simple. It is so simple. But let it ring in your ears tonight. <gasps> Let it ring over and over. Our God is a God who can be trusted. Our God is a God who can be trusted. Verse eight, Paul goes on after all of that and then he goes right into the thought life. I love talking about the thought life. You know, it's very easy. It's very easy in this world to make your whole life look exactly as you want it. And people scan your social media and think, oh my gosh, they don't have a problem in the world. Everything they see is picture perfect, literally picture perfect, perfection, right? We are all real people. We are all flesh people. We are all in dire need of the love of Christ. Our thought life is the one thing that you cannot see. Did you hear that? Is everyone awake on the other side of the screens? Our thought life is the one thing that you cannot see. You can fool people. You can fool, and I'm not saying you, you specifically. I'm saying generally all of us. We can, we can easily fool people in this social media world, but you know what? We can never fool God. In verse 8, he said, finally, brothers, finally, finally, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. That passage, that verse is so powerful. Paul is literally saying to them, to the Philippians, your minds are precious. They're precious. These are the fruits of a mind, write it. These are the fruits of a mind that is guarded by the peace of God. 
In verse 8, those are the fruits of a mind that is guarded by the peace of God. That doesn't come naturally. That comes supernaturally. That doesn't come by you willing your way there, working your way there, striving your way there. It only comes by a person who literally just sets themselves at Jesus's feet and says, I can't, but you can. I can't, but you can. Back then, Paul was speaking to people who didn't run around with these, you know, little well-known devices that we have today. See, see, he was talking to people and with fervency, he was saying, take your thoughts captive, your thought life, whatever's true, pure, honorable, lovely, commendable, focus on those things. But you see, now we run around with these little box-sized things that we just ingest and just and just thousands upon thousands upon thousands of words and images and things that we were never designed to hold. You've got to create some guardrails there. We have to create guardrails around our mind. I was proud of myself for giving up a television 24 years ago because it, it, in my 20s, I recognized that, wait a second, why on earth am I letting anybody and everybody put what they want into my mind? My mind is precious. And, and I thank the Lord for the wisdom to understand that my mind was precious. But do you know what the TV is now? It's our cell phones. It's what are we looking at? What are we doing? What are we engaging? What are our sinful thoughts? I'm going right for it tonight, right for it. I'm going for the bullseye, okay? What are our sinful thoughts that take root in our minds because we allow anything and everything into them? And then all of a sudden, we're sinning. Do you know that every sin, come on, listen close, wake up. Do you know that every sin, yes, I am going off. Heather's like, <laughs> every sin, write it down. <laughs> She knows it's okay. Every sin begins with a thought. Every sin begins with a thought. What are we watching? What are we listening to? What are we standing in agreement with? Are we filtering everything through God's word? Are we? Or are we allowing any random garbage that wants to be literally implanted into our mind there ladies my my urge for you i did not anticipate going here tonight and i am okay i was okay a long time ago with looking a little bit crazy when i teach because sometimes i absolutely feel it deep down to my core and one thing i want to tell you is i want you girls to start to take account of what you're watching and what you're listening to and start to meditate on God's word, start to immerse on God's word, start to spend time in his presence. And you watch how your life changes, changes. Scripture cards, super small right here. I have them everywhere. Carry them in your purse, carry them in your car. You're stuck somewhere, start to meditate on scripture. Because when you go through a battle, and we all go through battles, we all go through battles. Paul was talking to the Philippians and he knew that they were gonna go through battles. Our thought life is vital. It's vital. You don't need to write down what you're watching or listening to. You know, and God knows. But let everything we do, let everything we do, in case you're asleep, I'm going to say it again. Let everything we do be to the glory and to the honor of Jesus Christ. Everything. 
Romans 12, 2. It's a great passage for this. Romans 12, 2. For by the, nope, that was three. For Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, what is acceptable, and what is perfect, that, that we can discern, that if we take our thought life captive, we can discern what is good and what is right. You can never do that apart from God and spending time in his word. You can't. It's impossible. It's like going to your kid and saying, I want you to graduate college, but you're only in second grade. Not going to happen. It's just not going to happen, no matter how much you want it to. You have to stay in God's word, steeped in God's word. And you know what? Do not be conformed. To conform, listen to me now, to conform is to mold. I'm a word nerd. I love words. To conform is to mold. Think of a cookie mold or a, a little cupcake mold, right? It is to mold. Don't conform. Don't mold to this world. Don't be like this world. But be transformed. That means that's the opposite of conformed. Conformed is to mold transformed is to be made new to be made new he's saying be made new in your thought life be made new in what you think be made new in what you watch what you listen to be made new conformity 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 is a dangerous thing conformity is a dangerous thing paul is talking about bringing our thought life quite literally into captivity and making it obedient to Christ. He's literally giving this imagery of bringing our thought life into captivity and making it obedient to Christ. Ladies, this is a question for you on your own in your devotional time. This is not you writing it out here. Does your thought life match what you say and do? Does your thought life, do the thoughts that you allow into this precious mind that God gave you, does it match what you say and you do? Paul knew, Paul knew so much sin could take root there. Every single sin begins with a thought. Every sin begins with a thought. We have got to make our thought lives submissive to Christ. That's very important, very, very important. All right, give me a second. Okay. Okay, verse nine, and I promise we'll be done by 8.15. I'm gonna book it like we're going into overdrive now, right? Verse nine, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. I'm going to breeze through this. Essentially, Paul's saying, and it's a bold thing to say, watch me. He's saying to the Philippians, watch me, model me, emulate me, because I'm an example to you. Do you know what a solid life you have to have to, to look at people and say, watch me and do what I do? Follow me and do what I do? You have to be solid not just solid by earthly standards, solid by spending time in the presence of the king, immersing in God's word. By following his example, God's peace would be with the Philippians. He was quite literally saying, if you follow my example, 
Paul was saying, you're going to have the peace of God. You're going to have his supernatural peace. Right here, right now, this is a common question. You can answer if you're comfortable. You don't have to answer if you're not. This is not a place where we force you or make you feel stressed. It is not. But my question for you is, are we living a life? Are you living a life? Am I living a life? It's a question for me of godly discipline and example that others can model and learn from. Are we living a life of Christian virtues, godly example, and discipline? If you don't think that taking your thought life captive requires discipline, I had to learn that no longer was the TV the issue. Now it's the cell phone. I create boundaries around that. I create boundaries around that. I create guardrails around that. There's lots of guardrails in our social media. You will never send me a message that my husband can't read. You'll never send my husband a message that I can't read. You'll never send either of us an email that we don't have access to that we cannot see. There's nothing that you will send to me that he will not see with his eyes and the other way around. If you are married, this is a message for somebody. If you are married, you better have transparency there because it is just a matter of time. Calling it right out tonight. It's just a matter of time. And you know what? You don't need to answer that live, but you need to be honest with yourself and you need to be honest with God. Moving right along. In Philippians 4, verses 10 through 20, this is a picture. It's an overall picture of God's provision. It was an overall picture to the Philippians of God's provision. Paul is thanking them in these verses for their gifts to him, their spiritual support, their financial gifts, partnering with him in ministry. Like he was thanking them, I'm grateful that you've partnered with me in ministry. And he assures them that God will supply all of their needs. Thank you for partnering in me, with me, while I share the gospel. And God will be the supplier of all your needs. Right? Verse 10 and 11, it's interesting here. He said, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Now, verse 11, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I'm in, I'm content. Did you hear that? He said, not that I'm speaking of being in need, because it doesn't matter what situation I'm in. I'm content. I'm at peace. I am dwelling in the presence of God. I'm abiding in the presence of God. I know that he's sovereign. God, right? It's sovereign. All authority. He's in all authority. And Paul is essentially saying, if it is touching my life, if this thing is touching my life, if this affliction is touching my life, then you know what? God is sovereign. He has allowed it to touch my life. He was content in all things. He was also using it as an opportunity to speak to them about the importance of contentment. Ladies, we're wrapping it up at 8.15. I'm asking for your undivided attention to the end. If there's anything that will vie for your attention now, away from a holy and righteous God, it is all of the distractions that are around us, but it is the underlying message of do not be content with what you have. 
Do not be content with where God's placed you, the world says. Do not be content with what you have in life. Do not be content is the message of the world. The message of the world is we don't want you content. We want you searching and buying and yearning and earning and running and exhausted. That is the message of the world. Contentment is one thing we all have to focus on and be prayerful about in our own lives. Lord, thank you for my portion. Whatever your portion is, the Lord has given some of us a really big portion. And some of us have a pie, have a pie. I have a mentor that used that as an example with me one time. He's like, and this is your pie, Ashley. And however you slice your pie, that's your pie. Contentment. Contentment is knowing that we have the ultimate answer to the ailments of this life, to the anxieties of this life, to the pains of this life. And his name is Jesus Christ, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And at any moment, we can go before directly to the throne and spend time with him and desire him. Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed, do not mold to this world, but be made new by the renewing of your mind, that you can discern what God's good and pleasing and perfect will is. A heart that is set on him, that longs for him, that spends time with him, is a heart that can know and discern God's will for their lives because they're resting in him and they're slow and content enough to listen. It is a quiet, write it down, content, contentment, contentment. It is a quiet, uncomplaining, whoo, is that a word for 2023? Uncomplaining, quiet, satisfied mind. It is not a, a complainer. It's a quiet, uncomplaining, satisfied mind. You know whose you are. You know that your this earth is not your home. You keep your focus right. You stand firm in the faith. You seek to model and emulate Christian models, uh, Christian models of behavior and virtues and discipline. And you let God do what only God can do. We stop trying to take all of the control. And then in verse 12 and 13, among some of the most popular and also misapplied scriptures <laughs> is verse 12 and 13. We're wrapping it up very, very shortly. I know how to be brought low, Paul said. Contentment. Paul said to the Philippians, I know how to be brought low. Boy, boy, is that the truth. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty, plenty abundance and hunger and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now listen to this. So important. So important. The secret to living amidst, give me a second. The secret to living amidst life's difficulties for Paul was so simple. It was simple, trusting God in such a way that he could truly say, I can do all things. Now here in 2023, we slap that everywhere and we, we throw it around very loosely. But do you see, Paul said, I've been brought low. I've been brought low. 
I faced plenty, I faced need, I faced abundance, and I faced the lowest of lowest dungeons and prisons. And I can tell you, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. That's talking trenches too, too, gals. That's talking trenches. That's not just about mountaintops. That's not just about accomplishments. That's talking trenches. This is often taken out of context. It's, it's not God blessing whatever a person decides they want to do. <laughs> I want to do this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. No, 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 no. God may choose to bless that. And here's some real raw stuff that people don't like. God may choose not to bless that. He may, he may not. This verse is speaking on the emphasis of our obedience to him. Please don't miss that. Do not miss that. It is speaking and putting emphasis on our obedience to God and our service to God and to others. Paul goes on in the following verses to thank them, to thank them for their service, to thank them for their, their spiritual, uh, not service, but their spiritual partnerships, their financial partnerships. But he said, thank you for that partnership, but it's all gonna be for your good anyway, because it's all going to advance the gospel. Paul's heart posture was correct. Paul's heart posture was right, verses 14 through 17. He was saying that even their gifts were going to be for their benefit. We have to remember to do everything. Write this down, and we're wrapping it up. We have to remember to do everything, everything in our life, as service to God and not to man. Everything that we do, every decision that we make, everything that we choose to step into agreement with is, is for service to God and not to man. It means when you run out and you do the things that the Lord has put on your heart to do, that contrary to what many will say, it does not need to turn into a reel or a story or a highlightable social media moment. Sometimes he'll call you to share in that way. But the good that you do sometimes is just between you and God because he called you to do it and you obeyed. We are living for service to God and not to man. We are not living to be seen or applauded by people in a world that says, oh my gosh, everything you do hinges on how many followers you have. You are worthy if you are above 100,000 Instagram followers. You are a superstar worthy if you are above 300,000 Insta TikTok followers. Oh my gosh, what she says must be important because she has 1.8 million followers. You guys, there's never been a more superficial false lie than that. Everybody is living for everybody else. We are to live for God. We are to live for Christ. As we journey through this world in a very look at me, look what I did, society, we have to keep our focus right. We have to keep our focus right. It's dire and it's so important. And then as we wrap up, very last two verses, verses 19 and 20 of this, this not the greeting, but the very last verse of this, this letter, God's generosity, ladies, knows no limits or no bounds. 
God's generosity in our lives. And I'm not talking blame it, name it, claim it, prosperity gospel. I am not talking that. It is repulsive. God's true grace, his favor, his generosity. It knows no limits. It knows no bounds. In verse 19, it says, and my God, Paul's talking to the Philippians and my God, he said that my before God, because he knew he is my God. I know, I know him. I know him and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Few quick points. I'm losing this voice fast. <clears throat> Those who are generous towards God will find that he's generous towards them and will supply their every need in Christ Jesus. I look back at my life very very crazy life and childhood. And I think I was never without once. I was never without the needs. I was never without. There was no lack. The Lord even was so gracious as to bring me to know him in the midst of a very dark, confusing, horrible situation in my childhood. He's a gracious, limitless, God. But see, ladies, so often we want to talk about that without the discipline, without the heart posture, without the protecting of our minds, without the seeking him, without the contentment and wanting to know him, without saying he is enough. He is enough. And when he brings you to that place that you can truly say that, and Paul said that, when he truly brings you to that place that you can know that and you can say that with true and utter conviction, that's an amazing place to be. It's an amazing place to be. There's no limit to God's riches and glory. There's no lack in God's supply. None. It is a, when he says here, the, the way that Paul worded it in verse 19, my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory. Ladies, what he was saying is that is a staggering, staggering measure of giving. But so often our minds run to physical things. I look at, I look at my life. Now, listen, I'm going to give you some examples as we draw to a close. I look at my life. I certainly am not wealthy. I certainly don't drive. I drive Rosie Riveter Kia, beautiful little car, had her 10 years, and she's still rocking and rolling. I'm not rocking the Tahoe or the Mercedes. I certainly wash and wear the same things because it's the most comfortable outfit ever. Let me tell you something. I thank the Lord. I thank the Lord for the life that he brought me through for his goodness, his grace, and his mercy. I thank him for who he's made me to be with my heart. I fail. I'm not perfect. I sin. Do not misunderstand. Disclaimer. But I thank him for the things that I, I can't see on the outside. I thank him that I long for him, literally long for him and not for things of the world. I thank him that he's removed a desire in me to have things of the world, 
because I know how fleeting and meaningless they are. I thank him for those things. I thank him for the woman he made me through the storm. Paul was saying, whether I have lack or I have plenty, whether I am in the trenches or I'm on the mountaintops, I know my God and I'm content because he is a good God. And if it's touched my life, it is because God allowed that. And then he ends in a very, very quick way. It's easy for us to read and not pay attention and miss it. But in verse 20, Paul ends just as he ended in, in chapter two with the hymn of Christ. He concludes this newsletter, or the, this newsletter. He concludes this letter with a doxology to our God and Father be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Very easy to read that doxology and to think, oh yeah, okay, forever and ever, amen. No, 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 no. He ended this entire letter with that. He was genuinely, this doxology, listen, he was genuinely and wholeheartedly with every cell in his body. He wanted God to be glorified. Paul was saying, let, let him receive the glory and honor. Let me be in rags. Let me be just, just, I, I pale. I, I'm not worthy of the grace and the love that God bestowed, right? And when you truly understand what he did for us through Jesus, you realize we're all on the same playing field. Please, Lord, let my voice hold out. We're all on the same playing field. We're all in dire need. We are all sinners. We all fall short, but we all have a choice to call upon the name of Jesus. We all have a choice to say, I'm going to lay down my old ways. I'm going to lay down. I'm going to lay down this, this, this selfish nature of mine. And I want all of the glory and the honor and the praise to go to Jesus Christ. Because you know what? There's going to come a day where you take your last breath. There's going to come a day. Our days are numbered. He knows your days. He knows your days. He knows your days and he knows mine. And when we take our last breath, the only thing that is going to matter is what did we do? First off, did we call upon the precious, precious name of Jesus? And what did we do with what he gave us? Did we run our race well? Did we stand fast? Did we show an example of Christian virtue and discipline and love? Did we shun the things that, that God calls sin and love the things that God tells us to love? Ladies, these are the things that you ought to put your focus on. As we draw to a close and we end in prayer, ah, I'm still here. As we draw to a close and we end in prayer, I want you to do a heart check in this prayer. I want you to pray to the Lord to, to really reveal what's in your heart, to reveal what's in your heart and to make your heart a heart that longs after him. See, as Paul was urging the Philippians and he was saying to them, it's so important that you're spiritually running strong because you are my joy and my crown. Gals, listen, you have to understand. We have to approach our lives and the sharing of the gospel with that same fervency. Lord, I come before you and I thank you, thank you for what you did here tonight. I thank you for what you did tonight. 
I went off a little bit and there are times where it was a little bit crazy, but Lord, you are so good and you always show up. You know what these girls need. That's why I love teaching because I know when I hit record, I always feel so ill-equipped, but Lord, I always know that you're going to show up because you know what these girls need. All of us need you, Lord. We truly need you. We need contentment and we need peace. We need to rest at your feet. We need to worship at your feet. We need to worship you. We need to in a world that says everything else, everything else, everything else is more important, Lord. We need to say, no, 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 no. I do not start my day until I have my time with the Lord. Wake up early, get up an hour early, do it. And we sit in your presence and we steep in your presence. Lord, you are holy. Let your holiness fall on these hearts tonight. Let them, the magnitude of your holiness, how important that is, that we don't make light of our, our, our race here. This earth is not our home. Our citizenship is in heaven. As Paul urged the Philippians, and you gave him those words to pen from the high, highest places and the lowest places, but mostly the lowest places, Lord, that we let all of that literally just filter into every area of our life and we start to run this race different. Heavenly Father, let all of us run our race different. Let us take account of our thoughts. Let us be content with our portion. If our portion is a lot or our portion is a little or our portion is this little piece of pie, whatever it is, Lord, let us be content with what you have given us. Let us sit in your presence on complaining. And Lord, most of all, let us, let us win souls for Jesus Christ through how we live our life, through how we live our life, through our actions, not in word, but in actions. Thank you, Lord, for what you did tonight. In Jesus' beautiful and precious and holy name, I pray. Amen. All right, girls, we did it. And my voice held out. Praise God. Praise God for that. All right. So YouTube, Ladies Who Love Christ Ministries, go there, subscribe to the page, subscribe to us on all major podcast platforms. I am going to be doing many teachings between now and January. I'm going to go into the group and teach probably two or three little mini teachings. I'll, I'll give you a heads up. They're not Bible studies, but they're mini teachings where you can jump in. You can watch them. We're going to keep the engagement going. It's going to happen. And then we are going to kick off with our 53rd online Bible study. Ladies Who Love Christ turned seven years old in December. Hard to believe. It's crazy. Seven years old. But we're going to kick off with a Bible study in January. If you want to reach myself or any of the leaders, you can do that at ladieswholovechrist.com. We're here for you. We want to pray for you. We want to do life together. And gals, if you want to know about plugging into a church, anything, um, please, please uh, let us know. We will be there for you. Um, I did see a question about Bible study. Um, first off, Laura, we do not acknowledge Halloween here. Um, that is not something I celebrate. <laughs> if I lose people, go on. It's okay. I'm fine with that. But that is not something we celebrate. So regardless, I would be doing a Bible study. But sweet girl, we have just wrapped up our Bible study. We're done. This was session four. So I'm proud of you girls. God bless y'all. I hope you have a wonderful evening. And I'm so, so excited to see you again with my voice back in 2024.
God bless y'all. Thank you, Heather. You guys make sure you thank Heather. She has been absolutely so wonderful in taking notes and helping us stay on track. Bye. Love you, Heather. Happy birthday to you.